Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hey David, good to be back again once again. We do it yet again, it's marching on. Marching, marching on. Eric, I looked at our episode count recently. I think this one will be... 41? Wow. Right. So we'll hit 50 soon. We'll have to do something special for that. Yes, we will. Yes. Beautiful. So today, folks, welcome back. Thanks for listening today. Hopefully you're a long-time listener. Hopefully you've been following us along because a lot of what we do builds upon what we've talked about in the past. Today is, I think, a conversation that could stand alone, stand on its own, but I think it has even more meaning if you kind of take this conversation through the lens of what we've talked about in previous episodes. Does this mean that we are hearkening yet once a, again? Yet again. Yet again. Yet again. Yes, we uh, love to hearken. We love yes. to hearken. I don't think I knew that word before we started this podcast. <laughs> now I hearken every week, Eric. <laughs> and if that's not funny, folks, it's probably because you did not listen to our past <laughs> podcasts. That's an inside thing. But what we're going to do is we're going to start a series of episodes on us. Not us like David and Eric, but us the business manager or the business owner, right? A more introspective, personal look Mm -hmm. at who we are, our purpose in the business, and the process of how we get work done in our business. And we could get so many things right tactically and even strategically. And if we don't understand our role, our purpose for what we're doing, and how to, I guess, day by day run it instead of it running us, we could... I don't know, miss the mark, plateau. You could still make a decent amount of money and have a successful career and exit, but I think you would be far short of what your potential could have been. Well, I think the main point there is, do we run the business or does the business run us? And I think that's really at the heart of it because there's a lot of the things that we might be doing tactically that start to overtake us. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in talking with entrepreneurs all the time, particularly when it's about, ah, when it comes to strategy, I just don't have the time because I'm bogged down in the details. Working in the business. I'm, right. in, I'm in the business all the time. And it's like, that's not going to get you there. And that you have to find the ways, practical ways to step out and to work on the business instead of in the business constantly. So I think that's what we're going to be talking about as an individual. That'll be the next few episodes. Yeah. Today, we're going to dive into what I think, Eric, is one of the main signs that an individual is being run instead of them running the business, it's running them. And that's our email inbox. Yes. And it's a good place to start. It's not that if we just can better manage our email inbox, then suddenly we've succeeded at our business, not running us and succeeded in our purpose in life or our purpose in the business. But it's a pretty good indicator as to how someone is doing with the balancing on the business versus in the business. In fact, you and I have done an exercise with people before called Rainmaker's Dilemma. We talked about that in a previous episode. And really, you can look at someone's inbox and get an idea of the types of activities they're working on during the day. 
And we're going to reference as a book I read recently called A World Without Email. It's by Cal Newport. I think it's the third book of his I've read. I've really enjoyed them. And when I first read this title, A World Without Email, I, and maybe some other people too, would think, oh, this is a historic book. It's hearkening back (laughs) to a time before there was email, when there was a world without email. But turns out he's not talking about the past. He's talking about the future, which sounds crazy at first. How in the world could we have a world without email, especially in business? And so many businesses run out of their inboxes. Yeah. Every single communication with another employee, not every single, but majority of communication with other employees or team members is in that inbox. Communication mm-hmm. with customers is in that inbox. And so what Cal Newport does throughout his book is really starts to question, is this a good thing? So Eric, maybe I can just kind of phrase the problem that he poses and we can talk about it a little bit, maybe offer some solutions. Right. There's often the assumption that if I have my inbox open in front of me all the time, I can get back to you faster. And so if we're in a busy workplace, then the sooner I can get an email, sooner I can get critical information back to somebody who's requested it from me, the faster they can do their job, then the faster our business will run. Mm. That's the assumption. The assumption. And it kind of makes sense on the surface. And so because of this, what happens is a lot of businesses, therefore, have a culture of just constantly living in that inbox. In fact, Cal Newport quotes some studies, which at first shocked me, but then I realized actually that this that represents surpri- me that as does well. does not surprise me. Yes, yeah, yeah. and that is that the average American worker checks their email, I think he said, every six minutes. That's the average. I get the heavier email users check their email every minute. So if someone's working 40 hours a week, they're checking their email every minute of each of those 40 hours. Yeah, I know we're going to home in on the email side of things because that is the primary way that we communicate within businesses typically today. But even more so, there's some of the other tools that are out there today that are even more instantaneous and people are following even more regularly where it's constant notifications, constant notifications, right? And people are responding to that or it's disrupting what they're thinking in some form or fashion. Right. And that disruption, Eric, is what he gets at as the problem. And I very much have experienced this. This is not something that I can talk up on a soapbox and preach to everyone about. (laughs) I am very much battling this day to day, but I'm determined to win the battle. And, And the issue is that, especially for knowledge workers, these are people who work on a computer, who work not with their hands, but on a keyboard or, you know, have to think through things. It can often take five to 15 minutes to re-engage your brain in deep thinking after you've been interrupted. Right. Well, if you get interrupted every six minutes, you can go the whole day without getting anything done. And maybe <laughs> I've had say, those days. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, did I really get nothing done? Well, maybe not because you actually you answered emails, but it turns out what happens is we start talking a lot about doing work without actually doing work. And for people who are, especially in this newer generation who are always online, always checking messages constantly, they don't even know what it's like for their brain to ever go deep. Yeah, and go deep, yeah. Right? And it's not just that we go deep. What does deep get us? It gets us not only more creativity, better problem solving, but it's also reflective time where we start to really reflect on what are we doing here? What's this all about, right? Where's my organization going, right? These are thoughts that don't happen in the two minutes between one email and the next or between one device buzzing and the next device buzzing, right? Maybe we could argue the younger generations 
are better adapted to that because they've grown up into it. I've heard studies where their brains actually start to get wired differently because of the environment they've grown up in. So maybe they can handle that better than people like you and I are. But I would still say in anyone who is a human being, there is a lot of value into having deep work, to having reflective time. And so this is a monster that we have to harness and conquer. Oh, no question. As much as those studies are saying that rewiring of the brain might be able to help them to manage that better, there's also a lot of studies that are saying how detrimental it is to so many aspects of social life and everything else. And I think you hit the nail on the head is that there's a lack of ability to go deep. Mm -hmm. And whether that's within your business, whether that's personally, whatever it may to be reflective, there's so much value (laughs) in stepping away. And I think there's all kinds of examples of that as the benefit of that. And the reason why we do certain things in our life to kind of step away. And we need to find mechanisms to do that more regularly as opposed to very infrequently. Absolutely. And in our previous episodes, we've talked about the importance of working on the business, not in the business, and how that affects business valuation. But what we didn't do in the previous episodes is go deep into some of the tactics. And so here we are, email. We're getting tactical now, but this is one of the biggest monsters to conquer. So Eric, the question becomes next, well, how do we do it? I think it's one hurdle to recognize, wait, this is a problem. Maybe the way I'm working, the workflow that I have in my personal life, the workflow that I've created on how we get work done in my business culture is not as good as it could be. So then what do I do about it? I think there's a number of practical aspects there. I know you've dove into the book by Cal that you mentioned with a lot of practical solutions. Obviously, for me personally, I basically take time out of my day And I specifically say there's times when I'm going to check my email to make sure that there's nothing there that is blowing up. And I'm purposely communicating with people that says, look, if it's during these times, better find a different way to get a hold of me because I'm not going to be checking my emails. Mm -hmm. So setting aside specific times in your day and then sticking to that, I think, is one just practical way of managing that. Absolutely. And I think, Eric, that is a key. And if the only thing we did was what you just said, that's that's an enormous benefit. You and I were talking earlier, too, about sometimes the time in the beginning of the day. I was telling a friend about how I try to set aside time at the beginning of the day, and he referred it to me as my boot up. Boot up? Yeah, like a computer boots up. He's like, your startup process. And in the morning, he's like, I love your startup process, your boot up process. And what I try to do is start my morning up. And it's so tempting to roll out of bed and just turn on the device and say, what messages do people send me? And the temptation is, if someone sent me something, I can answer it right away, I get them their thing, and they're off to the races. But the problem is, what I do when I turn on my device first thing in the morning is, what's gonna be happening in my head is whatever the people who have emailed me since yesterday have decided should be in my head, (laughs) right? And now my thoughts become dictated by them. So this is not me running my business or running my life. This is life and business running me. And so what I've done recently, and it has been incredibly valuable, is sometimes I won't even turn on my device. I won't even get a text message. Sometimes I'll have that on in case an emergency comes through. But in general, I will not look at email. I will not look at internet. I will take the first couple of hours of the day, and I will start off with just first prayer, and then I'll try to get exercise in, and then I'll try to get in What's coming up today? What's important today? What are the important things I need to make sure they happen? 
And then how am I going to add value to each of the situations that I might run into during this day? How will these situations be better because I was there, right? And purposefully map out, what will I say? How will I act, right? How can I enhance this for everyone? When I start my days off like that, the days go incredibly better. And it has been incredibly rare. Maybe I can think of one example in my entire life where had I gotten an email two hours earlier, it would have changed the course of the day or my life. Usually you can respond to the email a few hours later and it's okay. We'll talk in a second about cultural aspects of that in the business. And Eric, I can tell you the times I don't do that, the times I just give into the temptation and pick up my device and start checking emails. Your day flies out of control. It's out of control. It's not run by me. I often don't get the things done that people want me to get done because I got sidetracked. Even I get sidetracked by things the same people threw at me that they weren't thinking they were taking me away from something they really wanted me to help them with, right? Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I'm wiped out. Now I'm spending time with my kids and my family, and I'm too tired to do it. That's not a good way to live. That's no. not a good way to go through it. No, no. And I think like you, I've been doing this, I guess, a little bit more habitually, but I still you know, fall off the wagon, so to speak. But that start of the morning is so important. I might use electronics, but my electronics are usually helping me with my prayer time in the morning or things of that nature and things of that. But the other that I found to be useful is that's a great start of the day. And what's on the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And the end of the yeah. day is kind of looking back on that. Did my day manage me or did I manage yeah. the day? What was all the things that were going on throughout the day? And then it also sets the stage to now look to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And what are those main things that are key. You know, what are the big rock things that we've been working on that are going to be coming up? Maybe that a really special meeting or might be with a bank meeting, anything of that nature kind of sets the stage for tomorrow in preparation for it. So that when you start the next morning, then you start with bringing that in your day into your prayer time and everything and getting it all set up. So I think Bookending that is very, very important. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, Eric, let's throw out just a couple more tactical bits of advice. This is right from a world without email, but I've been using it. It's been working. Folks, if you want the scientific studies that back up the things we're saying, I know we're kind of talking ad hoc here, but there's plenty of science behind that. Read the book. We don't make any money for you reading the book or buying the book. I just like the book. But there's (laughs) plenty of studies in there that put the science behind this. But a couple other things that I found really helpful. One is office hours, similar, Eric, to what you were saying, like carving out time in your day. What I've started to do is to say, okay, there are times in the day where I'm going to block off, where I know I've got rocks I need to conquer, I need to solve. And if I get distracted with buzzes and dings, it won't happen. So I need to carve out, I carve out two hour blocks in my day. I put them on my calendar. And then what I do is I look for what's a problem to solve. And this two hour block is for solving that problem. It could be me by myself. It could be a working session with someone else. Mm -hmm. But it's a time where none of us are going to think or talk about anything else until we've solved this problem. We're going deep, right? And now some people will say, well, David, wait, but I need to get a hold of you in that time. So culturally in our organization, we need to set the expectation that it's okay if an email doesn't get answered right away. And this can be a challenge for people who own businesses and manage businesses because they often don't understand that when they send an email, Everyone else in the organization thinks they need to just jump to it because the boss sent an email 
I've got to answer it right away, right? So we can create cultures in our organizations to say, it's okay, because I sent you an email does not mean you have to drop everything you're doing. In fact, I don't want you to do that. I want you to finish your deep task you're doing and get back to me. Right. If it's a true emergency, like the company will close today if we don't address this, then we'll find each other some kind of way, right? A text message will come in, right? So, so setting the expectation culturally and then setting blocks of time for everyone in your organization. This doesn't work for a forklift driver. They have to drive the forklift. But Cal Newport differentiates people as like knowledge workers versus people who are turning wrenches and working with their hands. For knowledge workers, though, we need to give them the time to go deep. And when they don't have this distraction cost, the switching cost associated, I mean, organizations often double triple, quadruple their productivity. It's unbelievable the productivity gains that come when the entire organization isn't getting just trapped in these inefficiencies. Well, I know we're wrapping up here, but I think another outflow of that is when you start to be disciplined in that process and setting those parameters, as you say, from a cultural perspective. The other thing that you'll see is it provides opportunities then for leadership development within those individuals mm-hmm. to say, look, what would you do? Rather than you wait on me for right. an answer yes. or things like that, make the recommendation, go for it, put the boundaries on it. But I think it's an opportunity as we start to look through that, not everything is an emergency. And so let all of us be cognizant of that. And that if it's really affecting our productivity, then we need to maybe step back go a little bit deeper and say, well, what's the process flow here? What's the decision-making? What's the authority? Maybe we need to work on that so that these types of issues don't come up again, that you actually know that, hey, I have the authority to make this decision on my own. And so I think there's opportunities for that, and that helps grow the organization as well from a leadership standpoint. Absolutely. Great ending words there, Eric, for this episode. Folks, we have more to come on this series Please stick with us. Come see us next time. We hope you've enjoyed this. We always strive to make your time invested in listening to us well worth it, that you can take things away from this conversation, go implement them in your business. It should be well worth the 20 minutes you invested in listening to us and our terrible jokes. (laughs) So with that, we'll see you next time. And we'll be hearkening maybe next time.